Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Schnib and Zang Show, episode 48. In today's episode, Eric, change, one of the, the big words, the transition period, has finally come to Montreal. It's been uh, a long time. You okay? Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> you I was frozen? looking at you. I was <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> Are you frozen or something? Anyway, Wow. Uh, yeah, there has been front office change in Montreal. They uh, ransack the whole front office, basically, and they're going to replace everyone. And we're going to dive into it and uh, give our thoughts, what we thought about it and the decision. Uh, but as always, before that, we got to talk about our sponsor of the episode, Hot Streak Fantasy, the best in-play fantasy app on the market. Pick two to three players in the NBA and NFL uh, watch them, uh, your favorite teams, and watch them make you uh, some money. Hot Streak is matching your initial deposit as a bonus when you use promo code Hot Sauce. So get Hot Streak Fantasy app now. Every week, accessible, easy, uh, gamble money. Uh, if you're interested in sports gambling, mm-hmm. uh, very quick, easy live bets. You just click, boom, that's simple. But uh, yeah, Hot Streak Fantasy. Make sure to download it on the app store as always before we jump into the video roll it welcome back to the stib and zang show episode 48 nearly 50 to uh two off 50 eric and today's episode very special episode uh sort of a remembrance or the funeral of Mark Bergeron, not that he passed away, but his tenure, his tenure in Montreal is finally over with after almost a decade, well, exactly nine years. Uh, Mark Bergeron, alongside Trevor Timmons and Paul Wilson, have been sacked out of Montreal, fired. Notice I've said that with Claude Julien the same exact way. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just got deja vu. Um, fired, um, no longer in need of his duties of the general manager, Scott Mellenby, assistant general manager, uh, also recently resigned after he found out he was no longer in the running for the GM job. He was assistant since 2015. Bergevin's uh, successor, he uh, recommended him and then, um, Jeff Molson let him know that he wasn't in the running. Mm-hmm. And so he resigned 15 minutes, uh, into the, Pittsburgh Penguins game, Eric. It was uh, that time he found out, and he uh, said, "Screw it, I'm done." Uh, stupid organ. No, I'm joking. But uh, I think he was expecting to get given the reins, uh, so he was kind of probably not too happy with the decision. That's why he decided mm-hmm. to leave. And so, in replacement, already a name, already hired, a long-term deal. Apparently, according to Jeff Molson, he had a press conference uh, earlier. Was it Sunday? I believe. Sunday or Monday, about an hour long, talking about uh, the decision-making and how there needs to be a fresh start and uh, someone new with a fresh vision to overlook the future for the Montreal Canadiens. Bergeron had one year left on his deal. There are already rumors of him coming or already leaving, so he left, and Jeff Gordon comes in to replace Mark Bergeron, a long-term deal, VP of Hockey Operations, obviously not named president, Eric, just strictly on the uh, basis that he cannot speak French. And if you can't speak French in Montreal, they don't let you make the big decisions. Uh, But pretty sure it's a cover name. 
you know, VP of hockey ops cover name, most likely meaning uh, president of hockey ops. And you'll have a GM, a French speaking GM to work with, but we all know most likely Jeff Gordon will be calling the shots in Montreal. Eric, what do you know about Jeff Gordon, man? What do you know about the guy? You've heard that name before. I'm going to talk about no, it. Yes, Don't I, worry. I know, I, yeah, I know Jeff Gordon. I knew you were throwing me on the spot here. Oh, but, what do you uh, know about What do you remember last of Jeff Gordon? You know, Rangers, uh, the New York Rangers, Eric? No? Doesn't cause it? No? It's because it's not Stevie Wires, man. You should have told me you were throwing me on the bus like that. Like, I know well, Jeff, I don't want to talk. Jeff, I, I know wanna... Jeff Gordon, of course, but, like, obviously – it's like, you, you but, don't know much of them. It's okay. Like, I don't know, like a, As long with you and the fans, I will let you guys know. Don't worry. Just wanted to get you talking, you know, because you're sitting there a little silent. I just don't want to take up all the talking points. No, you go talk about Jeff Gordon. Oh, Jeff Gordon, Eric. Uh, like I said, uh, for the, you know, most fans, they probably know him from his time in New York. For more, you know, longer NHL fans might know him from his time back in Boston where he served as a scout. In 1992, uh, finally worked his way up to assistant general manager and then was actually named interim GM in 2006 after that then GM Mike O'Connell was fired. He became interim GM during the draft time too. the draft was coming up. So he had to take charge. Eric, let me name you some of the players he was able to snag in that 2006 draft. The hall he got one of the best halls ever in a draft. Uh, in the Boston Bruins draft. So it goes Phil Kessel, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand. He then traded Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask, signs the Dano chair and Mark Savard in free agency. Uh, so he kind of built uh, some, some key pieces of the Bruins championship team in 2011. The, you know, that team that was always successful, always making it to the postseason. He's kind of got some corner uh, cornerstone players that were very uh, fundamentally big, uh, very involved with that team. So Jeff Gordon, some experience with the Boston Bruins. After that, uh, went to go work with the New York Rangers, eventually became the general manager. Uh, and some of the moves he did there were getting Mika Zibanejad from the Ottawa Senators with the second round pick too for Derek Broussard. As you know, Eugene Melnick, very cheap uh, owner, didn't want to sign Zibanejad. They wanted to save some cash, so they traded him for uh, David Brassard, Derek Brassard. Sorry. Got Adam Fox for a pair of second rounders from the Carolina Hurricanes, I believe. And then, you know, the big Panarin signing. Yeah. Obviously, there's some moves. You know, I'm not saying Jeff Gordon's perfect. There's some moves, you know, some questionable moves he made, you know, signing uh, Jacob Truba to that $8 million deal. The haul he got for Ryan McDonough, JT Miller wasn't that good, and other moves. But basically, uh, the biggest thing is is Jeff Gordon committed to a rebuild in New York. Yeah. Same time, Mark Bergevin committed to a reset, quote-unquote, what he said in 2018. And so uh, Jeff Gordon just had the cojones for a team like New York to claim there's a rebuild and you know to stick with that and commit to that. And he was able to build a contending team now that we see the New York Rangers being so successful. But, uh, yeah, he will be in charge uh, for the future of the Montreal Canadiens. Like I said, don't know what his contract is, but uh, Jeff Molson let us know that he signed them long-term. So he'll be with the team for the for, or the foreseeable future and uh, past that. So, uh, Jeff Gordon, we still don't have a GM. We'll talk about that. But first, Eric, we got we to gotta reminisce Mark Bergman, Trevor Timmons, Paul Wilson, whoever that is, just came. 
Uh, I don't know who Paul Wilson is, but he is the senior vice president of public affairs and communication. If you're asking why he was involved uh, in getting fired, um, he was a PR disaster, as Jeff Molson likes to call it. He was in charge of that disaster for the Logan Mayu uh, draft. He was in charge of that. Not sure, didn't like how it got out, whatever Jeff Molson. So he's just fired him alongside Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons. Mark Bergevin, 2012-2013, he became GM of the Montreal Canadiens after being assistant GM in Chicago beforehand. Um, It's been nine years, Eric. Montreal has made the playoffs six times in in his time around here. Uh, It was, I think, four in the first five years, and then you know Montreal obviously missed the playoffs, as we know, in 2018, uh, 2017. And what, whatever, what, when they missed. Well, I was wondering with the timing of this uh, firing, do you think it has anything to do with his tenure in Chicago or no? No, no, like, no, 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 purely no. on what he, I would say this is purely doing. the fact that he had one year left on his deal. Um, the team wasn't doing so great. Uh, draft picks, you know, I'm explaining, I'll get into that draft picks, uh, you know, first round dra- lack of drafting. And uh, yeah, you don't want to give power to a general manager who has one year left on his deal you know, and have to make decisions for the future when he might not even be around for the future. So that was a lot. That that was kind of the biggest factor. And so I don't, you know, he wasn't involved in the uh, Chicago Kyle Beach situation. Uh, His name wasn't brought up. But um, Mark Bergman, Eric, let's look at some of the biggest trades that he was involved with or that he did for this team. Um, Starting off with the biggest one, uh, the most shocking one, that people know of, uh, of course, is the P.K. Suman for Shea Weber in June 2016. Eric, we were actually together. We were kids. 2016, yeah. when we first heard about this trade, uh, uh, summertime at the park yeah. program, uh, hearing of this. Uh, we were kind of freaking out. I think the whole hockey oh, world yeah. was freaking Everyone out. Was, you know, yeah. Suman, uh, definitely the team's biggest personality, uh, their biggest na- uh, known player. Uh, he kind of at that time in 2016, his relationship with the Montreal Canadiens, especially um, with Patch Reddy too. No, oh, no, not well, the Patch Reddy, sure, but uh, with the coach uh, Michel Terrier was, <laughs> was getting a little sour. Um, but you know, people didn't think much of it. But then I think it was I don't know if it was a day before, but anyway, before Subban's new contract that he signed, which was like nine and a half, whatever, before that contract kicked in. Uh, the no the no trade clause kicked in where Subban would have been, been able to get traded. Uh, Bergevin traded him before that kicked in, but traded him to Nashville Predators. Got Shea Weber, who was uh, their next future captain, one of the most respected vets in the league. And, uh, you know, there's no clear winner to this trade, not, not in my right. opinion. Obviously, it's worked out well for both teams. Subban yeah. went to Nashville. They went to the cup final in their first year, and then he got shipped away to New Jersey, whatever. But uh, Shea Weber is stuck around here. Uh, like I said, big leadership uh, role yeah. within, within the locker room, captain of the team, um, brought this team to the cup final. And then, unfortunately, his career now is probably over with the foot injury um, and stuff like that. So unfortunate for him. But uh, I wouldn't say it was a clear-sided win. It's worked out for both teams. I liked Weber. I like Subban. But it's a, it's a funny trade, though, because if you when the trade happened, everyone was like, oh, Obviously, Weber, he's the older, age, so yeah. it, 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 obviously Subban's going to last longer, right? It's just going to be a, like in long term, it's a better trade, right? But in the end, 
Weber probably lasted long. Well, he did last longer with the Montreal Canadiens than he did with Nashville, right? And then at the end, uh, Subban was kind of like a cap dump at the, at the end, right? They they trade him away, yeah, uh, just for cap space, right? So I don't know. The the thing with Subban at the time, I think why everyone was so shocked about it was because Subban was by far the like not not but like he was a superstar on the Montreal. On the Canadiens. Norris, twenty thirteen. On the Norris, he was a face of the franchise. And obviously he had that ten million dollar donation. Donation, Montreal, like the most, like basically everyone in the city loved him. Obviously he had maybe some beef with Mister Tearing, but a couple of years there tearing off fire too. So it's like, but I don't know. Like it, I don't know if Montreal Canadiens and Canadian fans would want to do that trade again. But it definitely wasn't a loss for the Montreal Canadiens. You know, well, I don't know. You'd it's be like, surprised. You'd be surprised if people would do it again. You know, uh, we don't know how serious this this toxic Subban, you know, the image he gets uh, was okay. true in the locker room. You know, we know he's had his, you know, problems with Max Pacioretty and, you know, he got shipped away from Nashville. Apparently there, he, there was some locker room issues. So, you know, we don't know the full extent to it, but Shea Weber really brought that presence, that leadership role. I think yeah. that was good for the team that they needed at that time. Um, another trade, uh, one of the, another Big player name that Berger had no fear and traded away was Max Pacioretty, the captain. As soon as Max Pacioretty became captain in Montreal, things went down south quickly. Uh, as we know, he didn't score in that first round series against the New York Rangers, which really made him look bad and uh, had people wanting him out of Montreal. Max Pacioretty for Nick Suzuki, Tatar, second round pick. Obviously, a trade again that's worked out for both teams, but I think Montreal in the end. W- gets the win for this uh vegas trying to win a cup obviously so you know they have their reasons but montreal gets their first line center uh and they were still able to get a second round pick and thomas tatar um, who did great for the montreal canadians as well so another big trade there uh for mark bergerine that he won um another big move carry price obviously that big contract he Mm -hmm. signed eight years 84 million 10.5 aav say what you want about this trade I don't like to blame Bergevin for this contract, even though, like, you know, it's going to be hard to see teams give out, you know, double digits contracts to goaltenders and so and stuff like that. Oh, and we got another visit. As always, this is going to not be cut, by the way. This is always going to get kept. Oh, always going to be kept. As always, always uh, pleasant. But, um, yep, why, surely. Um, that's not getting cut, by the way. <laughs> Those always stay in. But uh, Carey Price, say what you want. I don't think teams are gonna be giving out ten million dollars to goaltenders anymore. But the Canadians were kind of handcuffed at the time. You know, he just came off his Hart Trophy win. He won the Vesna, best player in the league at that time. So you know, it's not the worst thing. You know, we went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Carey Price carried us there. So still one of the top tier goaltenders in the league. He is getting older. His contract has made our salary cap issue a bit trickier, but, you know, at the end of the day, what could you do? Uh, another trade, traded Miguel Sergachev after he traded him for Jonathan yeah. Drouet. This one was a bit of a head-scratcher, now clearly a loss for the Canadians. Oh, yeah, as for sure. At the time, they needed a offensive puck-moving defenseman, and they got that in Sergachev, and then yet they traded him away for Jonathan Drouet, who was, you know, excelling in tampa who was disappointed with the use of or the playing time he was getting yeah. so he he expressed he wasn't happy with that 
they get swapped trades. Joy hasn't really lived up to that expectation at all. And Sergachev has turned into quite a great player for the Tampa Bay Lightning playing top four minutes. Um, going to surpass the contract he signed. Just a good player. So, yeah, you know, a trade that we probably lost uh, in the end. So um, one of Bergevin's trades that you probably want to take back. Uh, but a trade that absolutely fleece the Chicago Blackhawks, Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman trade at the trade deadline to a Chicago team looking to go for another cup run. They get Philip Deneau, yeah. Montreal's number one center for the foreseeable future, shutdown center, and Alexander Romanov, which was the second round pick they got, yeah. uh, turned into Romanov. Uh, Bergeron helped draft Philip Deneau in 2011 when he was assistant GM. Obviously knew about his caliber and his skill set, won him over Montreal. And man, that trade was looked to be, was actually yeah. a great trade. It was an absolute steal for uh, Mark Bergeron, the Canadians, Phil Deneau now, obviously, in um, Los Angeles. It was a pioneer uh, for that cup run there, uh, shutting down yeah. some of the big players on the other teams. 2015 traded a second round pick and a fifth round pick for Jeff Petrie, uh, who was then with the Edmonton Oilers, picked him up. Um, and you know, Jeff Petrie has been a consistent 40 point defenseman ever since yeah. this season, where he's not projected to get that unless he really starts getting things going. But Jeff Petrie, an excellent defenseman in this league, very underrated, and just uh, only for a second round pick and a fifth. Like, that's a great haul, uh, for a guy like him. And then um, another one of the big trades he's made was trading Galchenyuk, third overall pick for Max Domi. Domi had 72 points in his first season. Galchenyuk kind of fell off the face of the earth in the league. And then uh, Domi was traded then for Josh Anderson. So in the end, you trade Galchenyuk for Anderson. And it's always nice to have a guy like Josh Anderson on your team. And then finally, one of the biggest moves you can't forget, Paul Byron, one of the best waiver pickups in NHL history. Paul Byron picked off by waivers from the Calgary Flames, a two-time 20-goal scorer with the Montreal Canadiens. Can't, can't say anything much about that when it was a waiver pickup. So obviously just all good news or uh, just good things for the Montreal Canadiens, what they did there. Mark Bergman picking up Paul Byron, excellent pick up at the time but yeah those are some of Bergeron's biggest moves Eric's you know trading um you know at the start early on in his uh, career it was kind of shaky some mediocre trades that turned into steals absolute steals uh but that wasn't the biggest thing um you know yeah obviously it has given us of some of the assets that we have today that are helping this team win but uh the biggest thing that has mm -hmm you know, made Bergevin's tenure in Montreal as the GM looked bad was the drafting. They're drafting in first rounds, especially getting that first round talent. They haven't been able to draft any of the guys and keep them on the team. So the trade and say what it is, what, what you want about it, good or bad. Mostly it's good. Um, but it's the drafting that we're about to look at that has totally just, you know, you some, some head scratchers uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, something they've been lacking first round picks. As we know, Mark Bergevin became GM 2013. Um, his first player that he ever took as GM of the Canadians was Michael McCarron. Yeah. Uh, a big, was he like 6'5", six, 6'6", yeah, six, something true. like that. Center, who I guess, you know, at the time, Montreal wanted to get bigger. Um, yeah. And so they picked size over skill. Uh, and so they went after Michael McCarron, who, you know, turned out to be a bust and yeah. quickly moved on from the team and then uh, hasn't made his way uh, in the NHL, really. Hasn't no. solidified himself anywhere. I think where where is he playing now? I just on Boston. I think or, no. Uh, 
He was on the Ice Caps for so long. Or no, Nashville. He's, I think he's with Nashville now. Yeah. Michael, yeah, he was with Nashville now. Um, and then the following year, they take Nikita Sherback, who, um, you know, was a promising prospect at the time, but didn't turn out, didn't pan out yeah. to be anything and went back to playing in Europe. 2015, yeah. Noah Juleson, you know, yeah, he could have been a promising yeah. prospect, yeah. but injuries caught up to him. He didn't really get the playing time. And when he had the chance, he impressed at times. He was inconsistent at times. But he, before he got injured in the eye, I remember when we w- went to see that game, the Washington Capitals, where he got injured. Yeah. He was playing pretty well for the Montreal Canadiens. I think yeah. now he's with Florida. Uh, wasn't able to crack the uh, – or oh, he might have moved on from Florida because he wasn't able to crack the top six this season. Don't know where he is now. Uh, might be in the AHL, not sure. 2016, they land Miguel Sergachev. Unfortunately, you trade that pick for Jonathan Joy, so you don't keep that first-round pick. 2017, Ryan Paling, who was the only draft pick, him alongside Cole Caulfield and Gaden Gooley, um, who has stuck with the team. And so uh, Ryan Paling, as we know, won MVP when he was with the World Juniors Team USA. Now playing well, sort of in Montreal, getting his chance right now with the team doing bad and uh, trying to prove uh, why he got picked in the first round. So time will have to wait with Ryan Paley, as we know, mm-hmm. developing the guy he played his time in university, now with the AHL. Uh, so you expect you expected him to, to crack the lineup beforehand, wasn't able to do it. So now it's just a waiting game with Ryan Palin. But uh, so far, I've been impressed with him. 2018 KK, as you know, uh, that's a guy you, you, you leaped off the draft board to get. He was expected yeah. to go in the top tens, whatever. You pick him third. Now he's no longer with the team. As we know, that whole situation, we recently talked about it with Carolina. But anyway, another narrative, another third overall pick um, that doesn't stick with the team or didn't pan out. So that's just troubling to hear and to see. 2019, Cole Caulfield, as we know, young uh, star in the making. And yeah, sure. he's going to pan out because he, he has the natural talent. So he, that's a, you know, a pick, obviously, that was praised by Bergevin Timmons. And so was Caden Gooley in 2020 who uh, is a fine young defenseman who's playing for Team Can in the World Juniors and uh, should be uh, hopefully a uh, promising top four defenseman uh, for the Canadians. So that was Bergevin's t- picking in- for the Montreal Canadiens, the ones he was in charge of. However, we're not only talking about Mark Bergevin here. we got to talk about Trevor Timmons, who has been with this team, Eric, since 2003. Okay, 2003 for a while um, and he was a director of scouting personnel. And so he was in charge of some of these picks, Eric, and uh, some of the reasons why he led to his firing uh, because his inability to acquire that first round guy, 2003 cost, uh, cost, sin, um, as we know, the guy, he had the blood disease was supposed to be a high touted uh, prospect dropped to the Canadians. They took him because why not get take, take a guy who has a blood disease. And, uh, he was a good player for the time when he was healthy or whatever, but, uh, didn't really pan out in Montreal, 2004, Kyle Chipchura, uh, 482 games played in the NHL. Eric had 104 career points, 31 goals, 73 assists. So 2005, some guy named Carey Price, uh, not sure how that panned out. 2006, David Fisher, Eric, no NHL games under his belt. So first round bust. 2007, Ryan McDonough, you traded away for Scott Gomez. Very <laughs> nice. Not, not his. Trevor Timmons was actually very against that move. Yeah. Ryan McDonough, he's actually uh, willing to uh, resign uh, from the Montreal Canadiens if they trade Ryan McDonough. Obviously, you know, talk to talk, didn't do it. 2008, didn't get a first round pick. 2009, you draft Louis LeBlanc. 2010, Jared Tenorti. 2011, Nathan Beaulieu, yeah. and then 2012, Alex Galchenyuk. So then just 
Nuiubon boss, Jeritonori boss, Bolu really didn't do much with the Canadians. Yeah. And Alex Galchenyuk just wasn't the guy. Third overall, you know, in 2012, third overall. He still yeah. should be playing with this team realistically. Most pay, uh, third overall picks from the years past are still with the team. So just the first round picks. Uh, with the scouting, didn't pan out. You know, he was sure he was okay with, uh, you know, picking guys later, uh, picking up some good NHL caliber guys later on, like Brendan Gallagher, right, and, and other guys amongst that. But besides that, the first round pick, the most important round of the draft, he just couldn't hit one. He just couldn't hit a gem. So that's ultimately what led to uh, Trevor Timmons getting fired. Um, and I'm for it. You know, it's time to get a fresh look. They got to get a guy who has some drafting experience. They can't hire a guy with no experience. They got to get a guy. Who we're gonna, you know, go over and talk about, um, but uh, yeah, Trevor uh, Timmons, uh, Mark Bergman. At the end of the day, you know, yeah, like I said, you, when you have the inability in drafting, it's gonna screw you. It's gonna screw your team, and so uh, you, you gotta move on and uh, get a fresh, uh, fresh look on things. And so, you know, there's some question marks about uh, who who can replace. The GM spot, even though we know it's going to be a Jeff Gordon front office, ran front office, um, you still got to have a general manager. So there's a few names that have been mentioned around the news uh, to replace. You know, Matsir Darsh is one of them who uh, has notably been working under Breeze Bois in Tampa. Uh, he's a salary cap nerd, apparently. Um, you know, he handles the budgeting, the negotiation of contracts, the scheduling. And like I said, he handles the salary cap which was big for the Tampa Bay Lightning, handling that salary cap with Kucherov and everything and how they were going to make it into the playoffs and make that work. Well, he was able to do that. Um, Martin Madden Jr., who is assistant GM in Anaheim, apparently he's a good draft expert, uh, not in the first rounds, which is you know troubling to, to think of, he, but he's exceptionally great outside of the first round, you know, in the later rounds, the fourth or fifth round picks. Some notable picks in Tampa. He got Sammy Vatanen in the fourth, Josh Manson in the sixth, Andre Kashe in the seventh. Um, so, yeah, talent outside of the first-round pick he's known for. Uh, not really. I want a guy who can get his first-round picks uh, down pat, but uh, he, he's been a guy who surfacing. Patrick Waugh, uh, his name's surfacing. The problem with Patrick Waugh is he, you know, he was the coach in Colorado. He wanted to be – he wanted to have control of everything. Over, they want to be GM and everything. So I'm not sh- sure how that relationship would work with Jeff Gordon, yeah. who he'd have to work under, and I, I don't know if that would work out. So uh, not really a guy. I'm would would Patrick Roy ever even come back to Montreal? I thought he, he yeah, I'm sure Montreal. No, like, he was a bit sour with Montreal, but like nobody. Hey, it didn't end on a good note though. No, it didn't. But yeah. you, you know, Mario Trombley's not there. That GM is not there. Yeah, so you know, so. You know, yeah, no, but I'm sure you'd be interested in yeah. coming back to Montreal. You know, he has an executive role right now with the ROM parts and the QM JHL. So, you know, not, but not a guy I personally want. I wouldn't want Patrick Waugh to be the general manager. Yeah. Not my, like another guy too, like Vincent Danfus, his name is being circulated. He has no prior NHL experience. Like, I don't want a guy with zero experience. I'm tired of it. I don't care if he has analytics, uh, you know, and stuff like French, that. And yeah. he knows the market. I don't care. Like, I, he has no experience. Roberto Luongo. He is assistant general manager of Team Canada. Uh, and, you know, we, I think he did some front office work in Florida. Florida. I'm not sure. Yeah, Florida, I, yes, Florida. Uh, yeah, like maybe goalie coach or assistant general manager there. Yeah. I'm not too sure. But um, And then Daniel Briere, who's, you oh, know, president what? and governor of the ECHL Maine Mariners. No way. Apparently, he's high agree. on the list, too. 
Really? But the two guys I would look at are Matthew Darsh and uh, Martin Madden uh, Jr. Because, you know, first of all, you need a French. You have yes. to have a French speaking. Have to, yes. Because Jeff Mosa wants one. Uh, we know the French media. If you don't get one, they're going to tear you apart. Um, because, like I said, I said it on Twitter, too. Like, I didn't know execs have to have weekly dictates. Wait, you uh, said it on Twitter? Yeah, I said, like, I was like, <laughs> oh, like, the fact that Jeff Gordon is the name president of hockey operations is ridiculous. I didn't know executives had to have weekly dictates and stuff like that. Because basically, his title is a cover name. We all know he's going to be making the big decisions, but we, we had to give him vice president. We couldn't give him president because he doesn't speak French. So we'll give him vice president. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you handle everything. Okay. But uh, Matthew Darsh, yeah, I, I love a guy who, who, who can handle the cap. You know, the cap situation is a bit troubling right now with price and everything. So I like a guy who can handle and see how, you know, he can work it out for this team to be successful or uh, get a draft expert, Martin Madden Jr., but mostly I'm trusting Jeff Gordon to overlook the drafting, overlook to the trades and stuff like that. But, you know, match your Darsh handling, budgeting, what numbers, you know, in negotiation he thinks are right um, is someone I could be in. I, I wouldn't mind. Match your Darsh right now is probably number one on my list. Uh, and then Martin Madden Jr. Number two, Martin Madden Jr. That's it. I don't want to see Roy. I don't want to see Vincent Dolphos. I don't want to see Daniel Briere. I need to see guys with experience. Under their belts, you know, who have been over, who have been un- working under other guys with experiences like Breezebois, um, or you know, Martin Madden Jr. has been in Anaheim for so long, for like twelve years, so he's been around and he's had the experience. I just don't, don't do that to me, Jeff Wilson. Do not hire some guy with no experience, please, for the love of God. But yeah, change, Eric. Change is on the horizon in Montreal. We'll have Jeff Gordon and all them handling the trade deadline, which is important because that's where your future will be uh, decided, who you want to trade. And then the draft, of course. Uh, Jeff Gordon's great in the draft. He's picked some, some good players, as we saw in Boston. Uh, so he's got that first round, you know, gems, and he's got a, he's got a real grip on it. I hope to, to see that because uh, that would be new to see in Montreal, some first-round pick succession. That would be new, as we haven't seen that uh, since recently with Caden Gould and Cole Caulfield. But since before that, no, not a real bona fide player who's been able to prove that they're first-round star. But, yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting to see for sure. Let's uh, – should we talk football now? Talk a little Bengals, Steelers. Nah, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? You want to talk about – the Bengals Thank you for watching the Stibbins. Sweeping, no, whoa, whoa, sweeping the Pittsburgh Penguins. First time since 2009, Eric. Sweep. You didn't know that. Eh? They can only face them twice. Sweep, never, not going to play it's against It's not a sweep. Yo, it two is a sweep. Not a sweep. Well, it's still, well, it's still 2 0. Still sweep. Anyway, Mixon had a career game, Eric. 28 rushes, 165 yards, two touchdowns. T. Higgins, one touchdown, 114 yards. Eric. When it's not Burrow and Jamar Chase, it's Mixon and T. Higgins, or it's T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. This team, once they establish the run, they can throw the ball anywhere. Once they run the ball down your throats, they can they can also air it out to anyone they like, any other receivers, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, whatever they want. Man, man, Ben Roethlisberger just looks old. Just looks old. He's oh, done. He is. You're like this is last year, and then even even with this draft, like no real QB uh, star, like it's gonna be tough sliding for the Steelers. This you know near the end here and next year going into that uh, season, 
because Ben's not going to be on the team. The guy, the guy looks old. You see the guy throwing the ball. He's throwing it behind players. Just his movement, Eric. He just looks like he's 50 years old in a, in a, in a football uniform. Um, I mean, man, they, they, he's got to face the Ravens next week. The Ravens? You got to play the Ravens next week? Like, there's no hope there. Uh, and then the Chargers versus Bengals. Uh, I expect the Bengals to win that one versus the, the Chargers. Chargers haven't really impressed this season out. Well, they're having a disappointing mm-hmm. season. I know they're six and five, but that's a disappointing season in my eyes for the Chargers. Uh, you know, a defensive minded coach. I thought their defense would be good. It hasn't been great at all. Uh, it hasn't been able to stop the run. They've been giving up points, you know, just so inconsistently. And so I expect Joe Mixon to have another big game here at home versus the Chargers because they've had some trouble stopping the run. Uh, and I expect the uh, to, the Bengals to uh, come out on top. Because the West Chargers, Coast they team. St- they started off good. Like, the yeah. the season, they were, they were like good. Like 4-1, and, and, and then they lost five in a row or something. I don't yeah, know. And then they just started fading out. But the thing is, like, Justin Herbert is still playing really well. Like, like he's still having, like, in terms of the rookie from the 2020 class, like, he's still, like, probably him and Joe Burrow are probably the best ones so far. Yeah. Yeah, like it's Justin Herbert and Joe Joe Burrow right now. Like, and Justin Herbert, I think he was like, who went before him? It was like Tua. He's better than Tua for sure. Did Tua go before him? Maybe. Yeah. Dolphins. So yeah, so yeah. But I remember when Justin Herbert got drafted, people were shocked because he wasn't expected to go. Who went second in that draft? It was Joe Burrow, and then I forget. But I remember Justin Herbert. Was it a quarterback or was it a tackle? Was a defensive tackle. I don't remember. It's been a while. But more of a story, like, I don't know. Herbert, he's proving people wrong. I remember everyone was, like, when they dropped him straight out of Oregon, everyone was like, oh, he's a bust. He's not. Yeah. He showed up. He's he's playing well. Like, you can't blame him. He's bringing life to the Chargers for the first time. But, yeah, you got to give it to Cincinnati. Like, Cincinnati is a good team. Like, they're, I don't know, like, Cincinnati's whatever. a great like, team. They're they're winning yeah, games. Chase Young, I knew it was a defensive tackle. Chase Young got taken second. Yeah, it was Chase. Who were the QBs Justin. drafted? It was it was Joe Burrow, Tua, Jordan Love got drafted later. Tua, Justin Jalen Herbert Hurt. got six. Um, okay. okay, and then Jordan God. Love and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But no, I like uh, man. The Bengals. The defense is showing up. Uh, <laughs> finally, the offense is showing up. Uh, Zach Taylor, that was the best game he's called all season, in my opinion. Just the whole team showed up, and so um, they're a real AFC contender in my mind. They can win this division. They could sneak away. I at the beginning of the season, Eric, I had the Bengals maybe third or fourth in the division. I remember. I, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I doubted this team. Um, I didn't think you know the defensive additions that they make were going to be real uh, impacts in the AFC. But man, man, was I wrong. The Bengals are like Jamar Chase. That what's that? What's that? Uh, that has added so much to the wide receiver core and the offense. The play calls, you're able to sling it down the field with a guy like that. And with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I mean, you have so many weapons. He has a full plate, Joe Burrow, a yeah. full plate at his disposal. And um, yeah, I'm not saying they're going to go to the AFC title game or anything like that. But man, Bengals can, uh, you know, like I said, defense been inconsistent. They, had, they lost to the Jets. They got blown out by the, the, uh, the Browns. Um, so it's, it's really about these second games after blowing out a team. Can they respond? Can they answer back? Not answer back, but can they answer the bell again? Uh, so we're going to see that with the chargers if they can do that West coast team coming to the East coast for another 1 PM game. Last time chargers had to do that. They got blown out by the Ravens 34, six, not saying anything, not assuming anything, 
But uh, Bengals face a bunch of West Coast teams now coming in uh, into Cincinnati. So uh, definitely the advantage for them uh, for them there. So because uh, they definitely don't, they don't really have a weakness. If you look at the like obviously like I mean their O line, I guess you can yeah. The, say. I was gonna say the O line, but it has been getting better. And maybe their cornerbacks. You know they don't have the strongest cornerbacks in the league. Uh, the, you know, Jesse Bates' safety is one of the best safeties in the league. Their uh, defensive line uh, ends. Trey Hendricks and Sam Hubbard have been great. Their tackles. Uh, own Janab, uh, my God, I'm always going to mess up this guy's name. Uh, for the – oh, my God. Uh, anyway, I forget his name. The defensive tackles for the Bengals have, have stepped up too. Uh, they've been able to stop the run. Even with, ca- you know, NFL caliber running elite running backs – They've been able to prove that they can stop them. Um, so I expect that with Austin Eckler and the Chargers. You know, that the, that offense runs through Austin Eckler. So I expect uh, the defense to show up and uh, get to the game plan, stop the run early, uh, you know, try and get the turnovers and let the offense just do their thing right now. They're rolling. Scored 30 points in the past two weeks. So uh, they're, they're heating up right now. Let them do their thing. Defense keep doing their thing. Bengals are playing really well right now. Really, really well. It's just great, great, great to be watching this. I didn't expect this. So really, you know, with the Habs, at least the Bengals are there uh, every Sunday. Um, unlike you with the Detroit Red Wings. No, I'm good. I'm good. I have the Jazz. I'm good. Oh, you have the Jazz. Oh, I'm good. You just give up on your two teams like that. Oh, it's been like bro. I no. knew it. I called. I told you Steers are gonna be crap this year. I no, told we're you we're still making the playoffs. Still You're not playing. making the playoffs. You ain't making the are. playoffs. That team's not making it. You expect Ben Roethlisberger to carry this team to the playoffs? You're out yeah, of here. We're mind. like we're five, five and one. Yeah, but I don't care. Look at the AFC, man. Look what you have to compete against. I don't like. I don't care what you. You're five, five and five. Look at the damn wild card. No, we're good. We're good. Look we're at your Steelers. Making- They're fourth outside of the wild outside of the playoffs right now. You got the Raiders yeah, ahead of you. Well, yeah, you got the Broncos, you got the Colts, and you got the Raiders in front of you. I'm not saying those teams are like those teams aren't good either, but. Yeah, and then you got the Browns. You're still fighting against. Browns are not making playoffs, guaranteed. Okay, maybe guaranteed. I don't know. It's gonna be tough because the AFC. It's still um, like um, you know, Baltimore's winning that division. They're eight and three. They're a good team. Cincy seven and four. Pittsburgh five and five. Cleveland Browns six and six. So, you know, they got uh, Bengals got a game on the Browns, and uh, they're two games ahead right now. The Steelers. So. Sitting pretty, looking good. Um, hopefully they can catch up to Baltimore. They can win this division. They can do it. They can do it. They can do it. So I expect the expect a win though next week. Here we go. Knock on wood. Okay. Bengals. That's my that's my bet. Bengals money line. Boom. Over under 50 points. No. Yeah. Under 50 points. Yeah. Okay. Bengals under 50 points. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, well, uh, that has been another episode of the Stim and Zang show saying farewell to a beloved or hated Mark Bergerman, however you want to say it. We've talked a lot about Mark. Listen, I had a back and forth relationship with Mark Bergerman. Love, hate. You know, I was always, you know, on the bandwagon firing. And sometimes I was like, you know, he's doing pretty well right now. Uh, Let's keep him. He's made some moves. But in the end, it's always the drafting that caught up to them. And that inability cost them their jobs, unfortunately. How many times did I ask you? I was like, should we start blaming Mark Bergman? You're like. For what? When have you ever asked me that? When have you ever asked me that? So multiple times. We only started this show. We started this show in 2020 (laughs) with the Canadians in that bubble. 
and the like, Canes in the more bubble. like, like oh, early no, 2020. Yeah, and then that was yeah during oh, no, that season. During that season, yeah, 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 he started during that season. That season, he had one of his best seasons as general manager. He traded for Jake Allen, signed Edmondson, traded for Josh Anderson, signed to Foley. That was a great. I gave him his credit. What are you talking about? You're putting words in my mouth. Honestly, putting no, no, no. words. <laughs> he had a great season. The reason they made it to the Cup final is because you know a lot of the moves he did that offseason. He got second for GM of the year. He lost to uh, Lou Lamorello. So, yeah, he had a great season. I'm not going to blame him for the cup run, but, yeah, you can blame him for how the team is now. Um, you know, he, he, he received the team in 2012, and it was in shambles. Like, you should see some of the players that were on that team. Platanic, uh, man, oh. Eller was on that, you know. No, Can't but I mean, no, the no, 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 shambles I mean, the, no I'm not saying the team was shambles. I'm saying the team was much different. You have to look at that team. I forget what it is. But you got to look at the team he inherited and what it's become. And now you got to look at what Jeff Gordon's going to inherit. And what he he has a lot more pieces and assets that Ber- than Bergeron had when exactly. he uh, got the team in 2012. He didn't have that many high scouted. I think the best prospect was Nathan Beaulieu at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, that they got in 2011. Um, so, you know, now you have Suzuki, you have Cole Coffee, you have Kane Gould. You got assets. Jeff Gordon's got assets to build this team. But do you think so, Jeff Gordon is going to, like, go full-on rebuild or, like, kind of like a, how he did with the Rangers? Kind of I don't know, because I like, think that, that's what I'm expecting. Like, if they hired him, it's because – you know, he knows his stuff, but he's also a guy who's been there before in the rebuild yeah. with the Rangers, the Rangers. and he knows how to do it and he's seen it before. So yeah. maybe, you know, we could see, he could, we could see the Montreal Canadiens headed towards a rebuild. Who knows what he's able to, you know, if he just starts unloading contracts like to Foley and Hoffman, I don't know how serious it's going to get. Time will tell. Uh, it's still early. And so um, that's it. Jeff Gordon. Yeah. Like I said, he's going to get a much better t- team right now than uh, Bergeron got. And, uh, you know, I'm happy where the team is right now. Just not happy with the first round picks. That's the only thing. The trades, I can, you know, I can, I can overlook some of the trades. Nice Sergeyev and Drew. I can overlook that because you know he got me, you know, Philip Deneau and Romanov for freaking nothing for pennies, and so it's stuff like that. It's the drafting that he screwed up on. Not as strong as Forte and contracts. He wasn't very good at that. Carl Alsner, uh, price he's handed out some 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 overpayment. You know, we'll see with Josh Anderson. I always love Josh Anderson. I always like that player. Uh, it's always a guy I want on my team. We'll see how that contract works out. Um, but yeah, that was the thing. His contracts wasn't as good. And his drafting, his trades, pretty good. Uh, and he made some ballsy moves that I don't think any GM would have. So love hate relationship with Mark Bergeron. Trevor Timmons, it's time. That was time. That was long overdue. Uh, Paul Wilson, sorry, man. Just caught up, got caught up in the mix. Collateral damage. Uh, but yeah, there's been another episode of the Shib and Zang show. Thank you for watching us on YouTube or listening to Spotify. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys in episode 49. Peace. Roll the outro. <laughs>